Welcome to our podcast episode on immunotherapy treatment and biomarker testing for triple negative breast cancer. I am your host, Anna Christofides. Our guest for this episode is Dr. Stephen Chia, who is a professor in the Division of Medical Oncology and staff medical oncologist with BC Cancer in Vancouver. He has held many leadership roles at BC Cancer, including head of the Division of Medical Oncology, UBC, head of the Department of Clinical Research, BC Cancer, and chair of the BC Cancer Breast Tumor Group. He has also been the co-chair of the Breast Disease Site for Canadian Cancer Trials Group. Hope you enjoy it. So thanks so much, Dr. Chia, for joining us today to discuss immunotherapy treatment and biomarker testing for triple negative breast cancer. So just to start, I wanted to ask, how common is this? What percentage of patients with breast cancer do have this triple negative diagnosis in Canada? And what is the prognosis for these patients? Yeah, thank you for this question that is very commonly asked by patients. And so I think where we're at today is we think of breast cancer predominantly into three what we call subtypes. And the triple negative subtype is the definition where when the a tumor gets assessed for things like estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and HER2 receptor, all three are negative on staining. So this is called the triple negative breast cancer. When we look at all sort of new incident cases of primary breast cancer, it runs about 15 to up to 20% are triple negative. This is associated with the worst prognosis. So if you just look at the proportion of metastatic breast cancer cases, probably somewhere about 20 to, in some situations, up to 25% are actually triple negative because their prognosis is worse. And unfortunately, they have a higher risk of having subsequent distant metastases. Right. Okay. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And in terms of the unmet needs of these patients, what do you see as the key ones? Really, the reason we test for these, what we call biomarkers, the estrogen receptor and the HER2 receptor, is that these we have targeted drugs against the estrogen receptor, either modulating the estrogen environment or actually binding directly to estrogen receptor. Likewise, for HER2, we have drugs can actually modulate receptor with antibodies or what we call small molecules. The challenge we've had in the past is the triple negatives lack an actual target. The only treatments that have been approved until recently have been just chemotherapy. So the unmet need is both, this is a subtype that has a higher risk of breast cancer coming back, spreading to other parts of the body or what we call relapse. But we also lack newer targeted treatments that that really can impact what we say is the biology of the cancer. So have there been any recent advances in the treatment for these patients? Yeah. So I would say over the last few years, there have been significant steps made in the treatment of triple negative breast cancer. First of all, within triple negative breast cancer, a proportion of these have what we call a germline alteration in DNA repair, most commonly BRCA1 and 2. These are germline or inherited alterations that lead to development of breast and ovarian cancer, and there's a higher proportion of them that present as triple negative breast cancer. So there is now a drug approved for inhibiting one of the DNA repair mechanisms called PARP. So PARP inhibitors uh, have been approved but they're really only limited in the treatment of patients that have a known germline alteration in BRCA1 and 2. The other two targeted therapies that have recently been approved and as well as really made advances in triple negative is both immunotherapy, and I think we'll spend more time speaking about that, 
These are checkpoint inhibitors that help unlock the immune, your own innate immune system to attack cancer cells with a drug called pembrolizumab. And then we have what's called antibody drug conjugates. So these are antibodies targeting specific antigens, more so on triple negative breast cancer. So an antigen called trope one. And there's chemotherapy with a topo-1 inhibitor bound to the antibody that brings that more potent payload to cancer cells. And these antibody drug conjugate called sagituzumab has also recently been approved by Health Canada. That's great. So lots of progress being made, it seems. So looking in more detail at the immunotherapies, what have recent studies examining these shown us? So... I would say that breast cancer oncologists and the breast cancer community has, I would say, been very jealous in seeing how other solid tumors have seen immunotherapy make significant progresses, first in melanoma and then moving on to lung cancer, moving on to kidney cancer, bladder cancer, head and neck cancer. We in the breast cancer have been investigating for many years the role of immunotherapy in breast cancer. And up until recently, the results have been somewhat disappointing or inconsistent. Up until Keynote 355, so this is a randomized phase three trial, very large trial done uh, around the world, looking at immunotherapy in the first line setting in triple negative breast cancer. Immunotherapy here being pembrolizumab, which is a PD-1 inhibitor, in combination with various chemotherapy options. And what's been really, uh, I think, encouraging, optimistic, and has led to regulatory approval has this study demonstrated that on the backbone of chemotherapy with immunotherapy here being pembrolizumab, in the group of triple negative breast cancers that have what we call a CPS score of 10 or greater. So this is a marker of how much of an immune infiltrate there is within the, the, both the tumor and the microenvironment. There's an improvement in both progression-free survival, but most importantly, improving overall survival. We have very rarely seen trials in triple negative breast cancer improving overall survival. To see this in the first-line setting, where the absolute median difference is seven months and the control arm reaches 23 months, so half the patients live almost two years, is extremely uh, positive and optimistic for our patient population. Well, that's amazing progress. So at this point, for which patients are immunotherapies approved in uh, triple negative breast cancer? So the approval right now is based on the specific patient population that entered onto Keynote 355. So these are patients with triple negative breast cancer that have not had treatment in the metastatic setting. If they did receive treatment in what we call a curative setting, the progression had to be, the last time from treatment had to be six months or longer. There was various chemotherapy options of both a taxane and a non-taxane option and pembrolizumab was given at the standard dose, 200 milligrams every three weeks. So the specific indications are for those patients with triple negative breast cancer, their tumor has to be tested with a verified validated CPS assay with a score of 10 or greater, and uh, they have to be fit to receive chemo. They would be the eligible candidates. Great. And can you tell us a little bit more about the biomarkers that would be looked at to see how well this therapy can work in these patients? Yeah, so it is important that we focus the treatments because there's both toxicities, albeit generally very minimal to minor toxicities with immunotherapy, but obviously there's costs associated with it to find the group of patients that benefit the greatest. And within this Keynote 355, they used various thresholds of looking at uh, what we call both the immune infiltrate as well as PDL1 testing on the tumor. 
And when there was a specific aggregate score of 10 or greater, this cohort of patients achieved statistical benefit in both progression-free and overall survival. Having a score of only one or greater did not really demonstrate the significant benefit or the magnitude of benefit as great as what we see with 10 or greater. But even pushing the limit to 20, a CPS score didn't really enrich the population even more. So at the end of the day, the FDA approved and the Canadian market will be with a CPS score of 10 or greater. Great. And what percentage of patients with triple negative breast cancer express PDL1 or have that level of expression? So within the trial, the uh, patients that were eligible to be enrolled, screened, and had their tumor tested for uh, PDL1, somewhere about 36% of patients met this criteria of a CPS score 10 or greater. So it'll be somewhere in the range of between about 35%, possibly up to 40%, depending on mainly actually the, 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 the actual site that you're testing. Previous studies with other PDL1 assays have demonstrated that if you test the liver, it's much less likely to have immune infiltrates and thus a, a PDL1 score uh, of at least 10 or greater. But if you test lymph nodes, you test lung, or you test the primary tumor, there's a higher prevalence of, a, of an immune infiltrate and achieving a CPS score of 10 or greater. And so when is this testing done in the, the patient care pathway? Is it something that's done routinely across Canada? So this will be an important question as each province implements both access to pembrolizumab in the first-line setting, but because you require what we call this companion diagnostic, you need to coordinate this with your pathology labs as well as the cancer centers in terms of when to test. I don't believe it's sufficient to test at the initial diagnosis of early-stage breast cancer. So I would test uh, at time of metastatic, as long as the process can be efficient and turnaround can be relatively quick within hopefully two weeks or 10 business days. So you would test at the time of unfortunate metastatic relapse. If you have a biopsy, you could test that metastatic biopsy, but you can also test the primary tumor if they've had a previous presentation of early stage disease. I see that. That makes sense. And so what are the challenges in testing for PDL one in Canada currently? So some of the challenges within the, I think, the Canadian environment is that there is a clear process for review of drugs and negotiation of price, so-called CADETH and PCPA, for that drug to get through and publicly funded. But there's not the same sort of assessments and budget calculation for the biomarker testing. So one of the challenges is the, the biomarker testing for PDL one is really covered within each provincial cancer program's budget through the pathology lab. And each province would then have to determine their pathway. So there's challenges in terms of do you do it in one central lab where there would be efficiencies, uh, as well as there is accreditation and validation of that test. So it's not like every lab can do it on their own. The volume is not going to be high, and they have to uh, really set up and uh, validate the uh, CPS score. Now, fortunately, this CPS score with the, the actual biomarker assessment is used with other tumor types because pembrolizumab is approved in various other tumor types. And so the actual machinery and the setup is not different, but you need to validate it on initially some samples of triple negative breast cancer. Okay, great. And so in terms of the prevalence of PDL1 status by different tissue types, what have we learned about this? So for example, primary versus metastatic tissue or anatomical location, what is important for us to know? 
I think, you know, we want our patients to have the potential ability to achieve the greatest benefit of treatment and live as long as possible. We know that metastatic triple negative breast cancer of all the subtypes I discussed at the beginning has the worst prognosis. In real world data, for instance, in British Columbia, when we looked at our own cubs, when patients present with metastatic triple negative breast cancer, the median overall survival is only nine to 10 months. So half the patients don't even live a year. In a large real world evidence from France, it was about 12 months. And then if you actually look at this Keynote 355, where you select out the best of the patients, they have to have good performance status, adequate organ function, the median overall survival in the control arm without pembrolizumab is 16 months. So half the patients with triple negative breast cancer don't live more than a year to potentially a year and a half. So in back to your question of selecting, I think you need to be cognizant of the tumor tissue that you send. So for me, if I have a metastatic biopsy of a lymph node or a lung, I would potentially send that off. If I was biopsying the liver or the bone, I would use that biopsy just to determine that it's metastatic breast cancer, but I would send off the primary tumor at the same time for pdl one testing. So what is the next step in ensuring that patients with triple negative breast cancer have access to these immunotherapies? Within the Canadian environment, as you know, cancer care, the vast majority of cancer care is publicly funded. So the next steps is for this drug to have a review of the evidence and cost effectiveness. Hopefully that will come through with a positive review. And then there'll be contract pricing on the manufacturer that sets the price that will be the same across the country. So that's called the PCPA. So that process has to happen where the drug is felt to have significant clinical benefits to the Canadian women population with metastatic triple negative breast cancer. There needs to be a, quote, an acceptable price that's negotiated. And then at the same time, the provinces need to set up the biomarker testing for the PDL1. In addition, I think clinicians need to be very aware that this is coming down the pipeline. They need to, those that have not used immunotherapy and other disease sites need to be aware of monitoring for uh, some of the um, immune-related adverse events. They're not very common, but you need to be aware of presentation of symptoms as well as monitoring for things like thyroid function, adrenal function as well, if there are any uh, symptoms of adrenal insufficiency. So there's an education component, there's an implementation of component for biomarker testing, and then there's really the procedural aspect of getting the drug priced and available on each province's cancer formulary. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Chia. And I just had one more question about the testing portion. So how available is that currently across Canada? Are there a lot of places that you can get this done? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I mentioned previously, because this specific pdl one assay using the specific antibody and then calculating the CPS score is done for other tumor types, uh, lung cancer, for instance, it is generally available across the country. It's the matter of getting those pathology labs to also validate samples so that they have their threshold validate, uh, just optimized and calibrated for triple negative breast cancer. So I don't think it's going to be a huge step because a lot of the, uh, both the machines, the pathologists and the expertise in, and in calculating the score is available across the country. It's a matter of getting them up to speed with optimization and validation for triple negative breast cancer specimens. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Chia, for clarifying. And thank you so much for this very informative discussion on uh, biomarker testing and immunotherapies in triple negative breast cancer. So thanks for being with us. It's been a pleasure. Take care, everybody. Thank you.